this is probably a common title, but, but, but I want to start with a quote. So, so if you're taking notes, prepare yourselves there. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. We'll probably read through that. We will reference um, a passage in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And the topic this evening uh, with this quote, it's Charles Spurgeon who said, A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And we see in the book of Jude, in verse 3, Jude talks about, in chapter 1, in verse 3, about contending for the faith. Now, we know the context there, him, he's talking about the gospel, the, the, the message of the Christian faith, but also our contending for the faith is living this faith out that we can affect lives. People will come to know who Jesus is by how we live for him. Kind of like this group that just came up here to go out and what they're gonna do is they're going to go out and they're gonna minister to the people that there that they're going to, uh, whatever city or place they're going to and lives will be impacted because every mission work is an opportunity to live your faith out. So I wanna title this message A faith that works. A faith that works. Some of you probably already figured that because of the passage that we're in. So let's go before the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, tonight we we thank you for um, this evening and bringing us here to this place. And we look to your word tonight, Lord, as the foundation of our lives and all that we um, have in you is not only the work of the cross, but this very word that enriches us, empowers us, leads us, guides us, directs us, strengthens us, and renews us. And so tonight, as we open up your word, I pray, Lord, that we would open up our hearts. We have a desire to know more. I want to grow. And I believe that there are some here this evening, Lord, that want to grow more also. We desire to know you more. So, Lord, as we open up your word, may we open up our hearts. We want to hear from you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, James, in his letter as he's writing, in a sense you could see in verse 14, he asks a question. And oftentimes we look at James chapter 2 and and right away we take the passage out of there that says faith without works is. But really if you kind of look at the chapter in its entirety, you'll see that what he's doing is he's kind of reminding the believers in the first 13 verses of what not to do. Not to show partiality because Jesus' ministry was impartial. And he's encouraging them in which, in, in how one is to conduct himself and, and, and live as a believer, as an example. And when you get into verses 14 and on down, he begins to deal with the topic of faith. It would seem that perhaps some have suggested that James is writing also to a group of Jewish or Jews. Perhaps those caught up in Judaism. He's kind of giving a contrast of what it is to be a Jew that is converted to Christianity and those that have not. But he asks this question. He says, what does it profit, my brethren? In other words, the word profit here, othelo in the Greek means, what does it benefit or what does it gain? 
It's a good question. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says, now he's saying perhaps there have been some that have said that he has faith but does not have works. Can faith save him? In no way is James in any way trying to contradict what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, not anything in and of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. But the point that he's making is he's saying this, as we see in a couple of verses later, he'll begin to share a little bit about practicing or the outworking of this manifestation in our life of faith. I'm often reminded just in this little picture of these couple of verses of what we say before we lead people in baptism. One of the things we say is that, you know, baptism doesn't save you. But what baptism is, it's an outward manifestation of an inward reality of your faith in Christ Jesus. So when you go to get baptized, what you're really doing is you're declaring to people openly and outwardly by you stepping into the waters of baptism what has already taken place inwardly. So this is what you're doing. You're living it out. And so you're baptized. And what has happened outwardly in baptism is testifying of the work that God has already done inwardly. And in the same way in this life of faith that we live as Christians, this is what we do. We might not be the greatest Bible teachers. We might not have verses memorized, but I'll tell you what, if we live a life of faith like James is presenting a challenge here, people will come to know Jesus and desire to know him by how you live out your faith. That's why I think the start of the message is a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. The testing of our faith, James even talks about, produces what? Patience. Maturity. It's about this faith. You guys ever heard the title, you know, they are men and women of faith. What does that mean? Look at what James goes on to say once again. He says, what does it profit? What does it profit that someone says that they have faith, but they don't have works? Can they really testify without the outworking or manifestation of this faith outwardly that they really have faith? How can you tell someone has faith just because they say they do? Now, he's not in no way presenting something and saying, well, listen, the only way you could prove that you have faith is if you do this, because then it becomes about doing, right? But what he's saying is it's a faith that works. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? What does it profit to see the need but have no desire to help meet the need? Because what faith does is it causes us to want to go and help. It causes us to want to act upon a need and meet it. Faith gives us compassion. Faith in no way can we say, you know, it's like that thing, you know, we we try to do what we can as a church um, in our community, as, you know, uh, Rob said, you know, he's like, you know, in in the hood, we are, we're we're in Fontana's in the hood, man. Well, where our church is, it it is. It's in the hood. It's, it's there. Uh, We're a hoodie church. (laughs) 
But God's doing a work in the hood. And we have, we have, this, we have a feeding program. We feed about uh, three to 400 families a month. And, and, you know, no, listen, listen, but listen, this is, we, we don't do it because, you know, it's like, oh, we want to be the, you know, the, 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 the church in the hood that gives out food because, you know, we do it on Tuesday. We give out bags of groceries on, on Thursday, Thursday mornings, we cook hot meals and they're able to sit down and we have a kitchen downstairs at our church and they're able to sit and have a meal. So, so Tuesdays they can come get food, bags of groceries, Thursdays they can have the meal and, and. You know, people are like, that's so amazing. Like, when did you guys start doing that? We started doing that the day I started teaching Bible studies with that group. That's how we started the church. We, we would do Bible studies on Tuesday nights and my kids were just babies, man. I had an Astro van. Nice one. Dutch doors in the back, you know, the two little doors. You guys, you guys know that. That's the good one, right? Well, anyways... I would go to Stater Brothers, I'd buy a box of fried chicken. Stater Brothers chicken's the best. Anyways, and we'd buy dinner rolls, and we'd buy cases of soda and water, and what we would do is we'd just drive up to where all the homeless were in Ontario, in the neighborhood where I grew up, and we would drive because I knew where everybody was. You know, I I was a dope I ran around there for years. I, I knew where to go. And we would, we would just, we like, like the A-team, man, we'd pull up in the van and push, slide the door open. And, you know, we, we'd say, hey, you guys hungry? Yeah, what do you got? We got some chicken. And, they, and they'd be eating right there. And then we'd just give them flyers to the church. And, man, we would pack that little, that little storefront building had a, uh, probably like 40 chairs only in there. We'd pack that thing out, man. And they'd be singing at the top of their lungs you know and they'd have all their shopping carts lined up in front of the little storefront and and they'd even have dogs tied up uh, uh, you know I, I used to like send everybody out first go they got dogs out there man you go you go you go first but <laughs> they would come and 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 they would sing and and that's how our ministry started and i, I just preach and teach the word of god and half of the time they were asleep because that's the only time they didn't have to worry about somebody stealing their stuff or doing something to them. They could sleep for that. So, you know, that's why I got used to teaching an hour or an hour and a half. I got, <laughs> nobody complained. You know, it's like, you know, so, so it was all good, man, you know. And, and sometimes they'd come in and they'd say, I want some chicken. That's what they would say. So we give them chicken, sit them down. And this one lady would always get the tambourine. She just wanted it. She didn't follow the beat, nothing. That, <laughs> that thing had its own, the mind of its own, you know. But we had to, we had to start hiding it from her after, after a while. But you, you guys get the point. But, but we do this because this was one way to say that, listen, if we're really going to show these people what it is to live a life of faith this is the least we could do it's the easiest thing to do how hard is it if you see someone in need to go and you know you might not have a feeding program but you might be able to direct them to one and this is kind of the picture and the idea that that you know this is what jesus did the bible says when he saw the multitudes following him on both occasions when he fed Four and five thousand. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. 
Considering here what James is saying, just just think about this for a moment. We know what he's talking about. This is elementary, but, but look at what he says. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Look at this. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith. Notice this. Without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. That's really the key here. I'll show you my faith by my works. You know that tonight all of us are called to practice this here. Sometimes it's hard to live out our faith. Let let me speak for myself. Sometimes it's hard to live out my faith. As Rob was sharing, we, we live in a fallen world. We are living in some very dark times. And you know what? We're being pulled in all different types of direction. We are living in a day and age where people believe false accusations before a person is even declared innocent. We got it backwards. Everything is pointing to a direction where ultimately it will become more difficult to live this faith out. But friend of mine, let me tell you, there is no greater time to be a Christian than today. Oh, give the Lord a clap offering for that. You know, some people are like, it's getting dangerous out there. Well, praise God for that. Get busy. You wanted to be in ministry? Oh, no, I was just kidding. No, listen, there, there it is there. Get out there. Look at what he's saying here. (laughs) We laugh because, you know, sometimes that's how it is. Or we say, God, give me faith. Anybody ever prayed and asked the Lord to give you greater faith? Raise your hand. I'm looking for moral support. Good. God bless you guys. (laughs) Right. Okay. So what happens? All of a sudden you think the Lord just turns the switch on. There you go. I raised you about 10%. You got a little bit. No. What does he do? God creates opportunities in our lives so that we can begin to get on our knees And trust the Lord and begin to practice this faith that we just prayed for. It's like that, you know, when people say, oh, God, give me patience, God, please. You guys already know that's like Christian 101. That's something you just don't pray for, right? (laughs) You'll pray it over other people. Give them patience, Lord. Give them patience. (laughs) But, But look at this here. He goes on to say this, that faith... That is by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. And you say you have faith, but, but let me see your faith by your work. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, jot it down if you're taking notes. It says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. What a privilege to live this out. I pray tonight... That you and I will walk out of here with a greater faith. That if the Lord tarries and he doesn't take us home tonight. And the dawn of a new day comes upon us. That we will wake up with such confidence and say, Lord, I'm ready to take on this day and exercise this faith. Look at this for a moment. He goes on to say here. You believe that there is one God? 
you do well. You know, the, the, what, what, what we see here about you believe that there is one God, the Shema, right? Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. In, in a sense, you could see the type of audience he's speaking to. Because this was a common theme and doctrine of the Jews. It was the Shema. It was there. But, but look at what he goes on to say. He says, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Wow. Okay, you see now what he's trying to say here. He's saying, listen, you could say you have faith. And you could say, you could, you could quote all kinds of verses. But he's saying even the demons believe. It, 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 what he's saying is, he says, it has to go beyond just your profession. It has to go beyond just the mere words that come out of your mouth. May your words be turned into action. And may it be the very faith that you have in Christ that catapults your life into a life that demonstrates the very working of the Lord God in your life. That's remarkable. And you guys know that how we can do this, right? By the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know, the church where I pastor there in the city of Fontana, since 1964, the building is, was a, was a, a four-square church, four-square, predominantly Pentecostal, which I'm okay with. Pentecostals, they're our brothers. A little bit of tongues here and there. I'm, I'm, I'm down with all that and got no problem with that. Right? We, we believe the gifts still continue today. Calvary Chapel, we are continuationist. We're not cessationist. You guys don't sound too excited about that. But anyway, that's, that's probably just the Pentecostal in me. I don't know, okay? I grew up in a very hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church as a kid. I mean, they did it all. Okay? So... Sometimes, you know, I, this, this, this church is, it's a great church, but, but you know, sometimes I, I, I tell them, I says, you know, church, we need to ask the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is not about intellectually understanding the Scriptures and quoting verses. Walking in the Spirit is being led by the Spirit and exercising this faith that we have so that others might see Jesus in us. You remember there, I believe it's in John 12, where, where they says that, that, that we would see Jesus. I just love that close of that verse there. I think it's like verse 43 or something like that. It says that we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. They, they desired to see Jesus. You know how many people desire to see Jesus? You know that there are more people today searching and looking. And you want to know what? You're their link. You're their link. He says, listen. Even the demons believe that. God exists. You know what he's kind of even treading upon? He's saying here, listen, even demons have good theology. They understand it. They know it. They see it. And at the end of the day, yes, Satan always takes the good of the Lord, twists it, 
and then creates even greater what we would call doctrine of demons to pervert. But Satan knows very well what the gospel message is. The only problem is he hates it. Because it delivers and sets men free. So he's saying even your good theology won't save you. He goes on to say this here. But you do, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? He begins to give three examples. The first is Abraham. The second is Rahab. And he closes with the third here, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That's what he closes this chapter out with. But, but let's look at some things just for a little bit here. What is the example of Abraham? Look at Abraham's life just for a moment. He, he quotes something early on in Abraham's life. What, what he's quoting is something that happened when the Lord... Um, revealed himself to Abraham. He's quoting from Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, where the Bible says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, as he begins to kind of lay this whole picture out here, you know, think about this. He, he gives two things that Abraham did. One, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness sake. This happened early on in Abraham's life, correct? Then he gives another example, what he starts with, something that happened years later. And he's saying just like Abraham who, who had this, who, who experienced God's grace, right? He experienced the grace of God, understood what it was to have a relationship with God because of, the, because of Abraham believing God, and it was a candidate him for righteousness' sake. But what testified of that very thing? It wasn't the very work that put Abraham in this place where he says here, Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar. Do you see that faith? was working together with his works and by works, faith was made perfect. In other words, Abraham's outworking, this manifestation, this this work that he did, he did according to faith. Now, let me give you a picture here. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, here's what we find out. This this will probably better answer. We know the story uh, there in Genesis 22. Where Abraham was asked to offer up his son Isaac. An amazing story. So much as it points to the very work that God was doing in the person and work that he would ultimately do in the person and work of his son Jesus Christ. And and as a matter of fact in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2. Guys this is the first time the word love is used in the Bible. You start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, read it all the way through. You will not see the word love until you get to Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2. And the last time you see the word love used in the Bible is found in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And it says, and they did not love their lives to the death. It's interesting that the word love for the first time is found there. 
The second time it's found is in Genesis chapter 24, in verse 67. It says Isaac loved Rebekah. The third time it's found is in Genesis chapter 25, in verse 28. And it said that Rebekah loved Jacob. The fourth time it's found, us men can relate to this. Genesis chapter 27 and verse 4, it says that Isaac loved his food. (laughs) But what we see here is that love becomes the bookends of the word of God. But guess what else is coupled with that love? There's one thing taking place in those passages of scripture. Genesis 22 and Revelation 12. One word. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is a work. But it's a work that testifies of our faith and obedience to God. You see, the whole point is when James kind of pulls out the whole things, well, you believe that there's one God, so do the demons. He says, listen, they can keep up with you with theology. They have no problem with good theology. That, that doesn't move them. I mean, they can quote the Bible better than most people can. He says, don't be fooled with that. Faith causes us. In other words, he's saying this. He says, here's how you determine if you really have faith or not. These examples that he's giving, he's saying, listen, these things become natural to you. And for some of us, we just need to be challenged and reminded and saying, hey, man, you love the Lord. Yes, I love the Lord. What are you doing for the Lord? What are you doing for the Lord? Now, you might already be doing enough. That's fine. Praise the Lord. But you know what? I'll tell you this. There's never a time when I've asked somebody, do you feel you can do a little more for the Lord? The answer 100% of the time is always. We all can admit to that. We could read a little more. Can I get a witness? Amen. We could pray a little more. Can I get a witness? We could serve a little more. Can I get a witness? Well, there it is there. We could preach all night on this. The truth of the matter is, is that we know we can sacrifice more for the Lord, right? Because it's a faith that works. Lord, give me faith. Sure. Give me a fresh outpouring of your spirit. Sure. Give me an anointing and overflow. God, I, I want to go. I want to I want to finish well. I want lives to be impacted for the kingdom because you took a person like me. I'm I'm talking about me, okay? Jacked up, messed up. Who everybody written off, you know. You guys, listen, I I was I was done. I was lost. When everybody gave up on me, the Lord says, oh no, I got something for you. Oh, I'll tell you. The first quote that I came across was a quote by Corey Tinboom. You guys got to understand, all my life, ran the streets, drug addict, in and out of jail, prison. And it was there in prison, my second term, after five and a half years in and out of the system. That that quote comes to mind when it says, there's no pit too deep that the love of God cannot reach in and save still. Amen. 
I'll tell you guys tonight, I'm the product of a praying mom and a praying grandma. And you grandmas and you mamas, don't stop praying. Now listen, he gives us this example of Abraham. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 11, okay? Let's read a little bit about Abraham. That way we can get, this is the faith, the hall of faith chapter, right? Okay? You know what's crazy, guys? Check this out. When you look at all of this here and you see this, these, these examples of faith, and you get this whole list of people. There's a lot of people mentioned here. Rahab's mentioned here. And Abraham. And James mentions Abraham and Rahab. And then you go to the genealogy of Jesus, and you have Abraham and Rahab. Okay, two people from opposite ends of the spectrum. Let me say that again. If you were to say, this is the type of person that I would like to live in this fallen world to represent my faith. Well, Abraham looks like he's a man. He's he's good. He can do it. What about Rahab? No, she's questionable, man. No, listen, the Lord says, no problem. Let's get her in the mix also. I mean, really think about it, how she was used. I mean, the story is amazing. We don't have time to get into it. I can talk and talk and talk about it. But I mean, just think about this. I mean, the spies go. She lives on the wall of Jericho. We know that her life was questionable, right? And people have an issue with like, well, she lied and she hid them. Like, dude, come on. Give me, look, look at what her profession was. But she knew there was something special about these men. Because didn't she say, we've heard about you. We've heard about you. And then ultimately what happens, like she's spared. And then she starts to dwell among, among the people of, of Israel, right? And the next thing you know, she, she marries. And then she has a son. His name's Boaz. And then Boaz has a son. And his name's Obed. And Obed has a son. And his name's Jesse. And Jesse has a son. And his name's David. And David... Through his descendants, births the Messiah. Oh man, you guys don't get it. Well, I tell you, one step of faith and boom, Jesus is on the scene. Okay, well, anyways, let's move on. Okay, so maybe you'll get something out of this part here. Okay, let's look back now. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at what it says about Abraham, okay? Verse eight, it says, by what? By faith. What faith? He just said it in verse 1 of chapter 11. By faith. Now listen, we're only doing this because James said to consider Abraham. So that's what we're going to do tonight. All right? Look at By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Let me say that again. Do, do, do any of you guys write in your Bible? I write all over mine. Okay, good. Just underline. Underline. Seriously, underline. Not knowing where he was going. It's kind of like a rhyme right there. Not knowing where he was going. (laughs) Listen to this. Abraham, look what it says, obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. What place? Which he would receive as an inheritance. All he knew is that there was something waiting on the other side. What other side? Where am I going? Don't worry about that. Just go. Are you willing to go? Look at this. Not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. They were pilgrims. He didn't know where he was going. He dwelt in tents. 
He didn't build no city or metropolis or anything like that. When you dwell in a tent, what does that mean? You're, you're going to move on here and there. In other words, if you're a, twent, a tent dweller and you are a pilgrim, listen, guys. Your citizenship is not here on earth. This is the faith that Abraham demonstrated. You guys know the word pilgrim? You remember when Peter in 1 Peter 1 talks about pilgrims. He calls... He says sojourners and pilgrims. Do you guys, has anybody ever done a study on the word pilgrim? I like this word. I can get away with saying stuff like this, okay? So you'll know why when I say it. It's derived of two Greek words. Para, which is where we get the word parakletos, coming alongside. Kletos means to comfort. That's the Holy Spirit, right? Coming alongside to comfort. That's what Jesus said. But it's para epidemos. Epidemos means aliens. Aliens alongside. That's what pilgrims are. Aliens? Yes. Peter calls us pilgrims. Abraham was a pilgrim. Abraham was an illegal alien. He was. Oh, we all are. Because our citizenship is not here. And who are we aliens alongside of? You ready for this? Oh, this is the one. Get your notepad out. Live stream right now. Do whatever you got to do. Here it is. Here's the kicker. We're aliens alongside the natives. People that live for this world and have no desire for the kingdom to come. We are pilgrims. We are sojourners. Our bodies, like Peter says, I'm about to put down my tent Think about that for a moment. Peter said at the end of his life, I'm about to lay down this tent. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt there among us is the word tabernacle. Jesus pitched his tent among us. It's not his permanent dwelling place. The Lord told Abraham to go. And by faith, Abraham believed God when he didn't know where. He didn't know where he was going. But he believed God. Think about that. You know, if the Lord tells you to go somewhere, you're like, okay, then what are we going to do, Lord? What are we going to do there? God never gives you the five-year plan. He just says go. You got to come to a place where you truly trust That what God has in view as the end result is good, even though you can't see it. And when he says go, you go even when you don't know where. By faith, Abraham believed God when he didn't know where. Now look at this. The Bible even also goes on to say this. This is how he did it. He had an expectant heart. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What did he do? He continued looking forward, trusting in God's word. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He was a pilgrim alongside the natives of the land. So true. So true. Look at this. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child. And when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. And we know the story is amazing, right? 
Genesis 18. It was faith that gave them the strength to have a child. They were past the age. How far past? Let's read a little bit further. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. As good as dead. They were past. Do you get what he's saying here? He's like, you know, hey, listen, if you would have seen them, you would have been like, there's no way that you can have a kid. Right? But look at what it says. Abraham believed God by faith when he didn't know how. He didn't know how God was going to do it. They were both looking at his present circumstance and said, there's no way we can have a child. She's past the age of childbearing. And look at me, I'm, I'm old, as good as dead. But did Abraham doubt? The same way that he believed God back in his younger years when the Lord said go and he didn't know where, but he believed God by faith. He believed God by faith when he said, in you the nations of the earth will be blessed. And your wife Sarah will have a child. And Abraham believed God by faith when he didn't know how. Imagine having that type of faith. James says that's a faith that works, man. Look at what else he says. Verse 13, he goes on to say, these all died in faith. Imagine that. Some will die in faith. Don't be surprised. Don't be alarmed. Some will die in faith. What does that mean? Sometimes there are promises that you believe God for. And guess what? You're believing God for a promise in your family, your dynamic, your situation, your circumstance. And just because you die, that doesn't mean that that promise dies. It does not mean that. I remember years ago, my grandma used to say, oh, this little little boy is going to be a preacher. Everybody looked at my grandma like she was crazy. They're like, just like a grandma, always believing the good and the little piranha, man, that little boy's terrible. (laughs) Some of you got some piranhas. Don't look at me like you ain't got some little... They're cute, man, but they... (laughs) little piranhas man they'd be tearing stuff that was me okay and listen my grandma used to say he's always you know he, he's going to preach the gospel you know and, and, and mijo and mijo and mijo you know all that and she died I was a drug addict when she died dope fiend in and out of jail in prison and then before my grandfather passed away He saw me teach my first sermon. And he said, if only your grandma could see her prayers had been answered. It had been years that she had passed away. But he recognized her prayers that had been answered. Some of us are testimonies that way. Amen? All these died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And didn't Jesus say that in John 14, verses 1 through 4? 
Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would not have told you. And I will return and I will bring you with me. And there I am, you will be also. Listen to this. Abraham believed God by faith when he didn't know when. Abraham believed God by faith when he didn't know where. Abraham believed God by faith when he didn't know how. Abraham believed God by faith when he didn't know when. Talk about the life of faith, man. And then people look at you and they say, I can't. How, how do you believe? You, can't, you don't even see it. That, that's what it's all about. That's Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. How could you put so much faith in something you can't see? I'll show you. And here's the one that James begins to talk about. Check this out. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Boy, I'll tell you. Abraham's life, this life of faith became obey the command and let God take care of the promise. Let me say that somebody needs to hear that tonight. Obey the command and let God take care of the promise. If he said it, that settles it. Live this faith out. Like James says, a faith that works. Oh, you say you have faith? Well, then why don't you try this? Why don't you believe God by faith when you don't know where, when you don't know how? When you don't know when, and in this case here, Abraham's faith was challenged. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Genesis 22, Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and offer him up. Now we know that story, it's a beautiful picture, right guys? I mean, it goes beyond just this picture. But what he's extracting from this is the faith that Abraham demonstrated. And you guys want to know what? When we live faith out, boy, does it pay high dividends. Did you know that? This was the son of promise. And the word came to him and said, sacrifice him. Not once did Abraham question And when him and his servants went to the base of Mount Moriah, right? They went there. And what did he say? Me and the lad will what? We'll be back. Why did he say that if he went up there to sacrifice him? It says it right here. It says it right here. It says concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. And we know the story, right? Isaac takes the wood on his back, begins to walk up Mount Moriah. They prepare everything. The altar's there for sacrifice, right? And all of a sudden, Isaac says, you know, Father, he says, we we have the altar, we have the fire, we have everything. Where's the sacrifice? And he says, the Lord will provide for himself the lamb. And then all it says next is that Isaac's on the altar. No way resisting. No way fighting. Obediently doing what his father is asking him to do without a fight and even thrusting the knife up to, 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 to kill him right then and there, to, to offer him up. And then the Lord stops him, Abraham. Now the Lord knows that you truly love him. Your faith was tested. And then there's a ram caught in the thicket. Can you imagine Isaac's like, 
Lord, <laughs> that's where we get the phrase, he's never too late, he's never too early, he's right on time, right? So, but okay, well, hold on. Don't clap yet. There's more to the story. What happened to the lamb that God said he would provide? It was a ram that was caught in the thicket. We don't hear of a lamb until 2,000 years later when Jesus comes on the scene walking on the Jordan there down to John the Baptist and John the Baptist heralds these words, behold, the lamb of God. It echoes 2,000 years back because you know how we got to this place? Listen to this. Listen to this. Remember King David? Well, we can go on and on about this. Okay, so King David, he's in the mix. Everybody say he's in the mix. He's in the mix. He conquered the Jebusite city by faith. Oh, you guys ain't hearing me. Jerusalem, a portion of Mount Moriah. Hello, somebody. Two great sins in David's life. Number one, you guys already know it. Because when you guys think about David, you think about who else? Go figure. That's just like the church. Always looking at the negative in people. Hey, if David were, if David were a pastor and did what he did today, would any of you guys attend his church? Probably not. But God still allowed him to be the king. And he's the greatest king to date in the history of God's people, Israel. Listen to this. What was the second greatest sin that David committed? Taking a census of the people. Cost the lives of 70,000. His first sin cost the lives of five. Second cost the lives of 70,000. And what did he do? He went and he bought the threshing floor to build an altar from a man by the name of Aruna. And remember, Aruna says, here, you know, take it. And David says, oh, no, I cannot take from you what has not cost me anything. David paid for it. Do you guys know that that was the other portion of Mount Moriah? At the end of David's reign, he had purchased that entire area of Mount Moriah. Really, it was Jesus through his loins doing that work. Because Jesus would climb up that mountain to be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Abraham believed God by faith when he didn't know why. He didn't know why. But he believed God by faith. This is an amazing picture. Guys, do you see that one step of faith? God pays high dividends. It's an amazing thing. He blesses it. Sometimes we get so caught up. We're like, okay, Lord, you know, if I do this, I mean, what's, what's going to come out of this? No, just do it. Boy, pastor, I want that kind of faith. Can I be honest with you guys? I'm going to tell you anyways. <laughs> just the kind of guy I am. I want that kind of faith. Oh, I've seen God move in my life in many ways. But why is it that we see God move so powerfully and then our lives are rocked and it's like we're back to the basic elementaries of the Christian faith and we start saying, God, why? Have you not read in the word why? (laughs) Because the word says this is why. Every circumstance we face is an opportunity for us to exercise this faith. How many of us here tonight are men and women of faith? Raise your hand. James is saying, then show me your works. 
because it's a faith that works. And some of you might say, well, what arena, what opportunity, what, what sphere here now? How is this going to work? How about this? Let's pray. God wants you to take a step of faith in your marriage, in your singleness, at work, at church, for a loved one. Because God takes us, guys, he uses. If you guys only knew the person that led me to the Lord, you guys probably think because you look, you see the tattoos, you're like, oh, this guy, you can tell, he was, you know, he was, he was a bad boy before. I wasn't a bad boy. I was just a lost, confused kid. But you know that God used the total opposite. God used a, 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 a white boy corn-fed from Tulare. David, <laughs> Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. He wants to save you, brother. You believe that? <laughs> you know what I say? This, this is how I used to talk back then. What I did? Say that again. Say that again, eh? <laughs> David, Jesus loves you. I used to tell him, man, you got a firme accent, homie. I wish I could talk like that. (laughs) And God used caveman to lead me to the Lord. That was his handle. We were in prison. Isn't that amazing? Caveman took a step of faith, and David Zamora became a man of faith. Can we live radically? Can we take James's challenge, please, tonight? If you desire God to move, you might say, oh, well, you know. (sighs) Pastor David, you don't even know what I've gone through. My faith is weak. I'm here out of routine tonight. More than out of a desire. I've been hurt been confused i've been scarred for some of you it might be like man this is so encouraging but if you can be honest in your heart i'd like the worship team to come up if you can be honest in your heart tonight you know i i i I don't i don't like to i mean don't get me wrong there are times when i do the bow your head and all that but you know like i tell people man we got to be straight up man when you know when i was in the world and they you know they wanted to get me into the gang they didn't say like okay homie bow your head close your eyes they were going to get you in it wasn't (laughs) it's like you want in man this is business and we shouldn't be ashamed to be honest and say you know what lord i i lack And how that lack has come about, perhaps maybe it's unbelief. A whole generation died because of unbelief. The Christian faith is one generation away from extinction. I want to ask you this question tonight, Pastor David. I desire that. I desire that. I want to to take this challenge. And if if that's you... I want you to stand to your feet right where you are. Don't look around and wait for the first person. This has nothing to do with you not being a believer. Some people, people get all scared. Well, you know, so-and-so stands up, then I will. You know, listen, those that are in ministry, I don't care who you are. Listen, you feel the Lord tugging on your heart by the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet tonight. I'm going to ask you to do something else. I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to come forward. God bless you. Is there any more honest hearts? Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? 
Listen, we ask the Lord for a lot of things, but let me tell you something. Sometimes we do good at asking because we believe it, but we don't ever say, okay, Lord, here's the opportunity for me to do it. And now I'm going to take every step that you're taking right now coming forward is a step of faith. I tell you that right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? You feel that tugging in your heart? That's the Holy Spirit saying, come on. Guys, listen. Yeah. Lord desires so much to do a work in our lives like never before. I don't know about you guys, but let me tell you something. If the Lord were just to say, you know what? We have no clue. If he were just to say, you know what, Jesus? Little do they know we're coming back next week. May this be the week where you finish well. May this be the week where you take that step of faith and listen, what are some of the things that have hindered our step of faith? Guys, just be honest in your heart. Unforgiveness, bitterness, laziness, various types of lust, sin. Sin separates us from the Lord. Is there anyone else? I want to join them. Come forward. Don't be embarrassed, guys. Listen, come forward. I'm I'm here. I already came forward. I desire more from the Lord. I don't know about you guys. I desire more. I desire more. And I'll tell you what, at times I don't really appreciate the circumstances the Lord puts me in so that my faith can be tested. But let me tell you something. Boy, when it's all said and done, I says, Lord, I'm so glad you did that. Boy, you stretched me in ways that I never thought I could be stretched. And may the cry of your heart tonight be more of you and less of me. Father, I lift up my brothers and sisters that are standing here. Guys, let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Father, we pray right now, God, that you, Lord, by your power, by your spirit, that you would pour out your spirit afresh and anew upon these vessels here. Lord, they've responded to your word. Your word is truth. By the power of the spirit, they've been drawn, Lord, to a a greater commitment to a life that is stirred by your word, challenged in faith. And God, you know the very depth of every heart that is represented here this evening. You know them by name. Lord, as your word says, you know the, even the number of hairs upon their head. You know them personally. And Lord, you know what drew them forward tonight. You know why they're standing. Unashamed. We left our shame at the cross. We left our shame when we came to faith. And yet, sometimes, Lord, we allow that to creep back into our life. But it's gone. Lord, it's under the blood. And tonight, Lord, we stand in faith on the promises of your word. These men and women are men and women of faith. They represent Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit upon their lives, upon their home, upon their marriages, upon their parenting, upon their singleness, Lord, if there are any here, Lord, in the workplace, Lord, at school, God, I pray that there would be opportunities for them to demonstrate. And Lord, we come against the mind trips and discouragement and doubt and fear of the enemy, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would restore, that you would build up, God. And it wouldn't just be another Bible study tonight, Lord, but that they would walk out of here knowing that they've had an encounter with your word. And Jesus, you said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. By the power of your word, Lord, breathe new life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're here because we love you, Jesus. We're here because we love you. You had no question when you purchased us.
did it for love. So Lord, use our lives for your honor and for your glory. And we receive what James says. We receive it. And so tonight, God, I pray that you would work among this body of believers here at Calvary South Bay. Bless the leaders here. Bless South Bay. Bless Pastor Jeff and his precious bride. The leaders and their wives. And this fellowship of believers here tonight. Faith that works. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you guys.